Hello world Greetings from La Hoya Cove As you can hear The sea lions are a bit rowdy today Just went for a swim, and a couple of the young ones swam under me, six or so feet below me, showing off, really, with their ease of movement in comparison to my ponderous and laboured floating. I had a snorkel mask on, so I'd have seen it quite clearly if one of them had decided to bite a chunk out of me. Not that they are known to do that, really. Well, it's quite rare, anyway. I guess you might hear about a non-fatal bite every year or so in Southern California. So it's very unlikely. But they are big and powerful, and they have teeth. And it's always a bit scary and a bit humbling when you're uh, that close to a wild animal. Well, you know. Not that La Jolla Cove feels really wild, exactly. I suppose it's sort of wild light. A managed coexistence next to the uh, hotels and fancy restaurants. But it's a great intro into the uh, great underwater kingdom of the Pacific. If you ever get the chance to visit here. Um, it's well worth a trip. Into the water, La Jolla, the jewel. Other than the sea lions, I saw a lot of Garibaldis today. You always see a lot of them. I guess that's the reason it's the state fish. If you don't know the Garibaldi, it's like a big fat goldfish. Um, a goldfish on steroids. A goldfish that has eaten all the pies. It's kind of like what you hope your little goldfish will grow into uh, when you win one at the fun fair as a kid uh, before you get it home and put it in a glass bowl and then flush it down the toilet a month later when it dies. What else did I see out there? Uh, there was a few bass, uh, various types of wrasse, and, uh, and my first sheephead, um, which is the transgender fish. <laughs> Typical liberal California, I guess, allowing fish to be non-binary. Um, yeah, the sheephead are all born female. And then come breeding time, a uh, percentage of them switch to male and uh, grow the necessary junk to uh, fertilize the eggs. Yeah, good on them. Isn't nature wonderful? Saw a leopard shark as well the other day, heading down over near the caves. They're harmless, harmless sharks. Filter feeders, I think. They normally hang around uh, around the corner of the caves uh, towards the shores uh, in front of the Marine Room restaurant. 
You've got to be careful if you uh, go in over there. There's lots of rays in the water. Ray Liotta. Ray La Montaigne. Trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. The sting is quite nasty if you step on him, I'm told. That's um, why you have to shuffle your feet if you get a seat in the first five rolls of his concert. So, yeah, great clear water today. Um, the lifeguard tower said the temperature was around 63 degrees, but it didn't really feel that cold. Although, you know, I've noticed um, a lot of the locals are climbing into their thicker winter wetsuits now. The wimps. I'll be going in through December without a rubber snuggie full of my own warm piss. Thank you very much. As long as the sun shines, which it does in San Diego and especially in La Jolla the jewel in the English translation good name from the uh, Spanish conquistadors there because um, the water really sparkles like treasure and uh, I guess the bay was probably very valuable as a landing spot they don't always do well with the naming of things colonial invaders Miserable, devout, bloodthirsty bastards usually. Always saint this, saint that. San Diego, San Francisco, San Clemente, San Juan. It's probably a product of their guilty consciences for waging genocide on local natives. You know, it's always good to have a god on your side while you do the bad shit. While you invade and drop bombs and kill people and steal things. You invoke... The Almighty to share the blame. No, 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 I'm not taking all these coconuts and gold for myself. No, no, it's for God. He wants me to have it. It's all in His name. And what do you worship? A giant snake? Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. And what? You don't own the land but merely preserve it for future generations? Huh. Fancy that. Insane heathens, accept Jesus or we'll burn your village and give you the plague. Um, so you might be thinking, um, what are you doing back in San Diego, Andy? Didn't you leave there like nine years ago? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm very sorry for no updates or new podcasts these last few months. The quick uh, explanation is that Jen is on sabbatical. So she's getting time away from teaching to complete her many research and writing projects. And as this was coming on, we realized uh, that we could rent out our place in DC and then use that money to rent somewhere else for half a year. So we loaded up the car over the summer, squeezed the kids on top of all our stuff and hit the road. Really nice. Long, long road trip. Got to do all our camping things, you know, hit a bunch of national parks and national monuments. And, you know, since we love and miss San Diego, we figured we really know how to do it here. Even with all the continuing uncertainty around COVID, um, we decided to take a chance and have landed back in our old stomping ground. And the kids are pretty flexible, so we just pop them into the local public school. And, of course, we've had to downsize, but we've been 
you know, able to rent this nice apartment. And um, and that's it. That's that's what's been going on. And that's why I'm here. I did want to try and record on the road. But even with uh, lots of stops in incredible nature, it was just too much. Um, the driving and the camping and the parenting logistics uh, totally dominated the work part of my brain every day and then I realized I just needed to take time just to be in it as well and just enjoy the experience um, so I switched off all my electronics and just stopped and did the thing um, the term mindfulness is thrown around a lot these days and uh, my choices were not in any way a mindfulness practice um, I think they were more an obvious and conscious intention to focus and just, just be in the moment. Which is often about doing nothing really and quieting the babble, uh, you know, of worry and ego in your head as much as anything. You know, just allowing yourself just to sit tight, see the beauty in a tree, watch your kids running around throwing stones at each other. <laughs> doing dangerous climbing on uh, jaggy bits of volcanic rock you know just just living yeah I know a real real luxury in terms of time spent uh, I guess a lot of freedom there very grateful so yeah big trip it was a bit hectic at times you know we'd uh, drive a lot track down like remaining oases of beauty in these United States you know after driving through cultural deserts, dying Walmart towns, fast food neon, knifing the air on gas station forecourts. And then, you know, we'd find the beautiful places, you know, everywhere, running down Indiana Dunes into Lake Michigan, watching the dusk light dance and move around Devil's Tower in Wyoming, waiting for my six-year-old to take a dump in a cornfield in the middle of nowhere. Our main family bucket list is to hit every national park. Um, but I think Blaze has a secret sub-bucket list that might be to take a dump in the most strange and inconvenient places that he can find. <laughs> you know, cornfields 20 miles from any habitation, down in the bottom of canyons, just as a storm's arriving, on crusty rustic boats in the middle of high altitude lakes <laughs> so yeah anyway we're back in San Diego breathing the sea air getting all the positive ions flowing again getting back to running on my favourite beaches trying to lose a bit of weight a bit of the Covid-20 I hope you're finding a similar peace and pace wherever you're at because yeah you know it has been a bit crazy this last year to say the least all the stuff perhaps you've lost someone close like I have so if you can I hope uh, that you are getting self care in every day lots of deep breaths and it does look like a lot of meditation and mindfulness podcasts have become very popular in the last year I've tried listening to a bunch of them uh, my plan was last year as we were all dealing with all this stuff was to review uh, in a big mindfulness episode uh, a bunch of these shows but as I started listening to them I, I began to find that they weren't really working for me a lot of them seemed quite nice but also phony somehow 
So I listened to a bunch of them, you know, trying to do one of those mass review shows that I do occasionally. And I discovered uh, that just listening to them and reviewing them was a real, real tedious chore. So a lot of them just sat on my phone, to be honest. And this this world mindfulness, uh, I just started, you know, I started noticing it cropping up everywhere um, as a sort of catch-all cure for the very stressful moment that we're in. So I did try a few times to push on. I'd listen to a meditation show or hear various bits about mindfulness from all kinds of self-anointed new age guru life hacker types. And as I was listening, my interior voice would just be going, nah, you're just trying to fake it till you make it. And I'd just be saying that to them in my head and I'm listening to them, you know, just... Just, you know, me, the eternal cynic. And so I found the show that I was making about them was going to be a lot of me making fun of mindfulness, really. And I became very conflicted about it since um, I thought, hey, maybe these shows are honestly intended and maybe they are helping some people out there. And we're in a pandemic. These are actual plague days. So maybe I just needed to wait. So maybe I just needed to wait and table my criticism for a little while. And honestly, you know, my critique was very unclear at that time. You know, I do have a drive to tell jokes, but there's always more. I wanted to tie my attempt at comedy to bigger ideas I had about the mindfulness movement. Um, and I guess the, the small, bigger idea I had about mindfulness was that it was just becoming another way of shutting down critical thinking and actual rebellion and change. It was starting to feel like how a lot of religion works as an opium for the people, a soothing illusion in your personal narrative uh, to provide answers and reinforce the status quo. But I, I was having trouble, you know, making the uh, parallel to religion because um, a lot of the mindfulness programs uh, also claim to be very scientific and secular. So it was also feeling a bit fake, maybe in a different way too, kind of like performative enlightenment with a strong whiff of the uh, performative politics uh, the uh, you know the corporate parties kneeling in Kentycloth in the, in the House of Representatives to honour George Floyd but then actually doing nothing to reform policing in the justice system in the country you know that kind of thing so yeah I hit the wall on the original mindfulness show because I was going very negative but also on the flip side, I'm also drawn to anything that can help me or anyone disconnect from insane capitalist consumption. And, you know, the never-ending plague of wants and desires that we have in society. So another part of me was thinking that anything that can help us focus on simpler pleasures, regain a little bit, bit of time and perspective for ourselves has to be maybe a useful tool for everyone to have. It's so easy these days to get swept up in screen time and news and the daily grind, staring at the new iPhone, wondering what all the fuss is about. Looks like it's got a slightly better camera with which to take pictures to fill up your iCloud and never look at again. And then your iCloud needs more room for all these giant Ansel Adams photos you're taking of your lunch and your kids and the sea lions <laughs> buy more room 
for all your photos, two ninety nine a month, rent more space for them. But is the iPhone 13 really better than the 12, the 11 or the SE or even the 6? Or even the Razer you had five years ago? Maybe getting your apps 0.2 seconds faster is not actually necessary. And what if, you know, you're not actually a photographer? Do you need the world's most advanced camera in your back pocket at all times? suppose it's led to a lot of great... Um, citizen journalism people documenting their interactions with the police force for example but you know they were doing that over 10 years ago with basic cameras do we really need an even better one seems like a weird created need to me sounds like what marx warned us about when he talked about imaginary appetites marx wrote about how capitalism needs to create high value objects that are ultimately uh, arbitrary and unnecessary to quote from his essay, Human Requirements and Division of Labour, under the rule of private property. The extension of property and needs becomes a contriving and ever-calculating subservience to inhuman, sophisticated, unnatural and imaginary appetites. So we get the constant fashionable purchases of new phones and the new car, when the old one would do, although I am obviously sat on a beach in San Diego reading a quote of Marx off my phone <laughs> that I'm just critiquing as being unnecessary while also using the phone to record my voice so you know life is is, uh, is hilarious and complicated just got a funny look from the woman over there You've got to be careful quoting Marx in public, even on California beaches. It can get like Invasion of the Body Snatchers real quickly. The old version. Donald Sutherland pointing and screaming. <laughs> now they think I'm doing a sea line impersonation. So, yeah, the question, um, as always... I guess is uh, how to do better how do we unhook from the imaginary appetites of capitalism where it is it's never enough we just never have enough and we're literally destroying the planet to feed these needs these created imaginary appetites while we don't even see the lives of the 15 or so slaves it takes hidden away in the world's slums that allow us in the rich west to place three tons of rotting pumpkins on our porch every October. <laughs> so, like I say, it's complex. Maybe we do need something like mindfulness to begin to detox from the worst aspects of our capitalist culture. And so I was conflicted in my uh, first attempt to do the mindfulness episode because maybe there's something good in it. And in that case... I'd be wrong to just dismiss and mock it like some troll. So I've had the mindfulness episode on hold. But then I found this great book called Muck Mindfulness that uh, summarized and then greatly expanded and systematically advanced the few very basic thoughts that I'd had about the mindfulness craze. 
and this book, McMindfulness, was written by a guy called Ron Purser, a professor of uh, management um, at uh, San Francisco State. And shortly after reading the book, I went back and did a search amongst mindfulness podcasts. You know, I thought maybe there'd be some podcasts talking to or about him, um, and it would, you know, give me a, a decent contrast uh, within the movement about whether his ideas had, had been had been grappled with. But while I was looking for that, I discovered that he actually has a podcast of his own. So um, that's what this episode is about. So here we are. The mindfulness episode is back on track. It's Review. <laughs> Today I'm reviewing Mindful Cranks from Ron Purser. This is a podcast series that covers all aspects of mindfulness, in particular, the development of the mindfulness industry over the past decade. But it also looks at the origins of mindfulness in Buddhism and how it relates to the Dharma, what uh, Buddhists consider to be the nature of reality as taught by the Buddha uh, with his Four Noble Truths in Nepal sometime around 500 BCE. The show is very much building from the great book I just mentioned, Mac Mindfulness, how mindfulness became the new capitalist spirituality, and the author's own beliefs as a Buddhist. He's actually an ordained Dharma instructor in a uh, Zen Buddhist order. The show is uh, an interview show with Ron talking to various guests and friends, and he's sometimes joined by a co-host, David Forbes, who's a professor in... Uh, school counselling at Brooklyn College and uh, they get together and chat to academics, uh, authors and teachers who have something interesting to add to the conversation about mindfulness. It's a really interesting journey Ron's on as a Zen Buddhist and business management professor. Maybe the book and podcast are born uh, from the clash of these two segments of his life. Anyway, the discussions he broadcasts are always intelligent and interesting brain food. I think the blurb from the show's website actually puts it best uh, like this. Our guests are leading-edge scholars, authors, teachers, practitioners and activists that share a mutual interest in civic mindfulness and socially engaged contemplative methods. A, a wide range of diverse perspectives, including critical theory, critical pedagogy, ethnography, Foucauldian governmentality, feminism, hermeneutics, critical race theory, critical management studies, uh, socially engaged Buddhism, political economy, provide the cranky intellectual tools for socially engaged contemplative change. Whew! Foucauldian governmentality? Well, that's easy for them to say. Yeah. Um, I, you know, don't let heavy terms like all that put you off, though. 
Um, the conversations in the show, you know, don't feel um, like heavy academic posturing, but come across more as good faith attempts to really get to underlying truths. I suppose tentatively stepping along the Buddha's eightfold path to enlightenment, uh, with the sixth or seventh step being right thinking. And in the episodes, there is a, a real drive in the discussions to unmask jargon and step beyond uh, intellectual gamesmanship. Um, many of the conversations chew over how words and jargon are used to mask, hide and distract from reality, an unjust reality that creates suffering and harms the planet and the entire human community. And what can you say? Bravo, it's a good mission. Some of the episodes I've enjoyed include guests... Uh, some of the episodes I've really enjoyed have included guests like uh, Adrian Daub, who uh, has a new book out called What Tech Calls Thinking. Um, they had a good chat questioning Silicon Valley. Really breaking open and uh, digging into a lot of the uh, assumptions uh, that uh, the big tech narratives have put out into the world. Um, what else? There was a good one with Paul Haddock. She's an activist uh, who works with Mindfulness for Social Change. There was a great chat with a guy called Lawrence Cox on uh, this fascinating story about an Irish Buddhist monk who faced down the British Empire. Uh, his name was Dharma Loka. Fabulous little unknown piece of history there. And there was loads of others. Matthew Ingram, Christopher Titmus, philosopher Evan Tonson. All quite brilliant people um, that you might not have heard of because, you know, like me, you're probably not an academic and the books that they write are quite niche. And, you know, we're also busy and we're also siloed in our own little worlds. And it's frankly easier to binge watch 100 hours of TV than it is to uh, pick up a book, some scientific explainer. And if you do want to pick up these books, you have to reach over a million copies of Malcolm Gladwell's latest nonsense, his corporate-approved siren song of critical thinking as capitalist-friendly hymn sheet. Yeah, I think I'm really ready to step beyond Malcolm bloody stop-and-frisk Gladwell. You know, there are other clever academics out there um, that are just as easy to read these days. For example, start with this book, Mac Mindfulness. Listen to some of the people on this podcast. So Ron Purser is a long-time practicing Buddhist, and I think some of his vitriol against uh, modern mindfulness practice, as used by corporations to enhance their bottom line, does uh, come across a little bit as uh, religious sectarian purity. Kind of, in a way, like you occasionally get some devout Christians who disdain the sheer hypocrisy of mainstream Christian evangelism as promoted by Fox News. But that makes him a star in my book. In fact, anyone who uses uh, the religious narratives in their heads to actively try and right the wrongs of society, I think should be platformed. So do check out the book, links in the show notes, and listen to the podcast, Mindful Cranks. Good stuff, give it a try take a break from rhino neck when he starts talking about MMA or alien artifacts or whatever fire up this podcast 
and learn about the origins of mindfulness and how it's become co-opted by charlatans. Mindful Cranks gets five stars, two thumbs up, some classic crank. Cascade kids, get off my lawn! Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn now. Get off, off my lawn. A Dharma Roger. In Buddhist tradition, the second form of ignorance is the superimposition of that which is false over that which is true. And all the marbles. position sorted and when you're ready take some nice deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth in through your nose and out through your mouth good I'd like you to imagine that you and your mind is a big, lovely pond. The best coping strategy is to recognize stress and how to minimize our reactivity to those stressors. The mindful nihilist is in very good health. The mindful nihilist was born into stable wealth. The mindful nihilist is taking a joyful dump in an ocean of bliss. The mindful nihilist sells a lip balm on Etsy called the Buddha's Kiss. Your job here is just to be the pond. Be the pond. Mindfulness is traditionally a form of meditation. It's the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. Be the pond. Just be the pond. The mindful nihilist believes poverty is a personal failure. The mindful nihilist cannot find an orange robe tailor. The mindful nihilist dismisses stress as the result of personal lies. The mindful nihilist reaps a harvest of happy thoughts as the world dies. I've been committed to mindfulness for well over 50 years. It's a way in which you could take care of your body, take care of your mind, 
And that's what this is really about. You be the pond and let the fish be the fish. No need to do anything with those feelings except watch them swimming around. The mindful nihilist knows the future of the earth is bleak. The mindful nihilist wants the refugees to search inside themselves for the home that they seek. According to the Dalai Lama, there are, quote, too many refugees in Europe. While speaking to German media, the leader of the Buddhist faith said Europe and, for example, Germany, can be no Arab country. Germany is Germany. There are so many that it becomes difficult. I mean, you're a refugee they yourself. They themselves, I think, better to their own land. So better uh, keep Europe for Europeans. Remember, be the pond. Just be the pond. The mindful nihilist doesn't suffer fools. The mindful nihilist went to all the finest schools. The mindful nihilist lets the number crunchers crunch. The mindful nihilist has gone back to brunch. The mindful nihilist has cops remove the homeless from around their ocean place. The mindful nihilist whispers noble half-truths through a new plastic face. If in rush hour traffic, you can remain perfectly calm. If you can see your neighbors travel to fantastic places without a twinge of jealousy. If you can love everyone around you unconditionally. And if you can always find contentment just where you are, then you're probably a dog, <laughs> right? The mindful nihilist is super smug and doesn't preach. The mindful nihilist is conspicuously enjoying the fuck out of this peach. The mindful nihilist is thankful for all the worker bees. The mindful nihilist looks the other way while they send back the refugees. The mindful nihilist is drunk on a glass half full of John Cabot Zinn. The mindful nihilist bounces past the homeless with an enigmatic grin. No need to do anything with those feelings. Just be the pond. The mindful nihilist wraps a gift of nothing in a box and ties the perfect bow. The mindful nihilist lives in a non-judgmental chasm that preserves the status quo. Remember, be the pond. Just be the pond. And if we follow this special Zen Den exercise, we are usually okay. Just watching all the fish swim around. Except sometimes we might feel like it's hard to let them just swim by. We might stop being the pond and find we've become one of the fish, like the angry fish. And when that happens, we might find ourselves saying or doing something that hurts other people. But we're not the angry fish. We're the pond. Be the pond. Just be the pond. That's a wrap. 
Hope you enjoyed the show. Please take a second and give me a five-star review in whatever app you use to listen to this show. And if you really want to help, click the link and buy me a coffee. Just a couple of bucks. And remember, just be the fucking pot. An empty collection of nebulous fluids that take all of the world's shit and just lets it be the flotsam and jetsam of life flashing by your watery face. And under no circumstances must you rock the boat. Oh no. Never rock the boat. Have a great week. Bye-bye.